Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Today's podcast is brought to you by OnX, the original gangsters in the hunting mapping program. I run OnX on all my hunts, especially elk hunting. I run tracking. You can tilt, look at 3D. You can also drop waypoints, identify terrain features that are conducive to where elk bed. You can pull up satellite overlay, topographical, hybrid mode. You can download your maps offline so that you can access them when you need them most. They've just been in the game the longest. And so they've evolved, they're ahead of everybody else, and you can count on it, and you can rely on it, which you will. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE to take 20% off your elite membership with all the elite benefits, all 50 states, know where you stand. Guys, what's up? Welcome to the Elk Shape Pod. Today, we are interviewing, now we're having a conversation with Tristan Licky. Licky out of minnesota or wisconsin somewhere over there minnesota yep minnesota minnesota how north how north of minnesota uh more more central minnesota we're Ah. we're near duluth right now so minnesota not minnesota there's a difference man we'll see some some people pick up on the accent for sure but i i try to keep that toned down a little bit but we'll see if you were with your buddies it'd come out for sure I hope to bring it out of you, dude. Um, you're the owner, founder of Precision Cut Archery. That is precisioncutarchery.com. We are going to geek out on your thing that you started that I believe, hopefully you do too, Tristan, is going to be a game changer. And let me tease you guys. Like, I'm going to make a sight tape probably on this episode today using his website but here's the cool thing then i'm going to go to total archer challenge big sky and using his software i'm going to put in the elevation of the shoot at big sky and i'm going to print out a sight tape that's going to just be slightly different than the one i have because i live at 2,000 feet and then i'm going to smoke josh jones finally 
at TAC, and he can suck it. Now, um, we'll get into your we'll get into your little thing that you got cooking here, but let's go back, dude. Like, how old are you, and how that how did you get into archery? Yeah, so I am 27, almost 28. Um, I grew up in kind of small town Minnesota, um, doing the sort of things that small town Minnesota boys do. So you know, a lot of fishing, whitetail hunting, small game, things like that. Um, I actually didn't get my first bow until I was 16. Um, I thought at the time it was just a way to, to hunt more. Um, our, our rifle season here is super short, um, like a week. And so I thought, oh. Hey, if I get a bow, I can hunt from September all the way through the end of December. It's like, that sounds pretty cool. Cause I just love being outside and things, of course. Um, so I saved up my money from part-time jobs and whatnot and went to the pro shop and bought a bow. Um, I, I started working on my own equipment from pretty much day one. I remember going into the, to the shop. That's not normal. Get my, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I kind of had a bad experience. I, I wanted to get my, my cam timing adjusted. Cause I'm, you know, I'm, I guess I'm one to do research and be trying to learn things. And, you know, I was trying to tune my bow and whatnot. And I, I noticed that the cam timing was off. Um, so I went into the shop and asked them to, you know, adjust it and whatnot. And the guy made some snide remark about how I can't expect my budget bow to perform like a top of the line one and just kind of something snarky like that. And uh, right after that, I went and bought a press and have just kind of done my own stuff since. And I've, I've had great experiences with shops since then. I mean, shops are great. I think shops are necessary and, and all that. But for me at the time, it just kind of started me down this down this path, I guess. Um, I went to college for electrical engineering. Um, but then out of college, I kind of went more of a software engineering route career-wise. And I've been, you know, chugging on that ever since. Um, like most Midwestern kids, I think kind of had like dreams of hunting out West. And like, that was always something in the back of my mind. I actually spent a lot of time, uh, in the mountains as a kid. My, my parents were both teachers and we had horses and every summer we'd load up the horses and we'd go literally just travel around the mountains, camping, riding horse, just seeing country, you know, all, all summer, basically all through my childhood. So had a love for the mountains, um, had a love for hunting, you know, from back home. And when I graduated college and had some, you know, extra money and things, um, I, th that was something that I wanted to pursue or I decided I wanted to pursue. And my, my, my first hunt is that my first Western hunt is actually kind of an interesting story. Um, we had a work trip in Arizona in January, and you can probably see where this is going. But, uh, at the time I, I somehow found out that, holy cow, I can buy an over-the-counter deer tag in Arizona in January. That sounds like <laughs> a lot of fun. So, uh, I asked my coworker who was going along on the trip and he, he wasn't really a hunter. He you know, did like Minnesota deer camp, like, you know, one, two days a year sort of thing. But I asked him if he wanted to go down a couple of days early, I'd pick up a deer tag and we could go, you know, hang out in sunny Arizona and avoid the, the, the Minnesota cold for a little while. So that's what we did. Um, we rented him a pair of binoculars and a tripod down there. And we went just kind of, I don't even remember i think i would just kind of e-scouted a little bit with my z pretty much zero knowledge picked a random spot um ended up finding a place some bucks kind of i guess coincidentally um and just like chased coos deer bucks around for like four days and it had no idea what we were doing i mean i 
I was thinking back and I don't think I saw a deer at the end of a stock that like those entire four days. And I went on a lot of stocks. I mean, I was sending it after every deer we found pretty much. Um, I, th I think he has some pictures of me being fairly close to deer, but I never saw one at the end of the stock. So a total failure from a like hunting perspective. But um, from that point, I was just, you know, hooked on that style of hunting spot and stock with a bow. I was like, this is awesome. Um, and then from there, man, it's just kind of turned into an obsession. Um, and like really an obsession, I guess. Um, I've been, I've been fortunate with just the jobs I've had and how things have panned out. I've been able to take, you know, 30, 40, 50 days of fall, um, and just go hunt with my bow out West. And that's, that's kind of been my thing. Um, and I really identify, I guess, with the like elk shape brand and this idea that like, this is a year long, this is a year long thing to prepare for what is a very short month of September. Um, and yeah, just kind of, you know, there's, there's not really a day that goes by, I guess, that I'm not doing something relating to archery or hunting or, you know, getting better basically. Um, so yeah, coming from, coming from an engineering background, I've always had an interest, I guess, in the kind of very technical side of archery, like just always kind of consuming as much of that sort of content as I can trying to learn, obviously, like I said, working on my own equipment, trying things, tinkering, I guess, as you yeah. say, that. it's a deep rabbit hole, baby. Ooh, yeah. And so I've always kind of done some of that. Um, the idea for this archery ballistics thing um, came last January. Um, and I just, I was just kind of frustrated with what we had to deal with as archers. Like what the, you know, I've always kind of made custom site tapes with the various programs that exist. Um, but I was just kind of frustrated with the, you know, the things that you had to do to get a good site tape out of there. Um, <laughs> and I'm laughing because I feel that pain, man. I feel that pain. And and, and, and also being a guy from, you know, I, I live here at 1200 feet. So when I go out West and I go to 9,000 feet to hunt, um, you know, in the mountains, it's like, it's, and then like your sight tape is wrong when you get there. And then you're trying to like find a calm day to try to shoot in new marks. And it just, it's just like, man, the rifle guys don't have to deal with this sort of thing. Like they get a zero, they can plug in all these environmental factors and the whole thing. And, you know, they can get their their firing solution just kind of ad hoc like that. It's like, man, there has to be a way that we can do something like that for archers. Um, so just kind of started down that rabbit hole, man, and um, started just kind of with a proof of concepts, you know, of the math I'm reading. There's, there's, there's actually a fairly large body of research on this sort of stuff, like aero flight dynamics um, in like some of the sports engineering journals and things. So, you know, reading all of that stuff, um, James Park, he's a guy out of Australia, PhD. He like specializes in archery, you know, research and things. Um, he, he's been on like Dudley's podcast a couple times and and whatnot, but he has a lot of good papers. There's some folks out of Japan that have a lot of like published research studies on these sorts of things. So between that and then just, you know, digging deep back into my engineering education to figure out some of these math concepts again, um, just started kind of piecing together something that worked. Um, and once I had something that worked, it's like, oh, this, you know, this is pretty cool. Maybe, maybe other people would like something like this too. So I decided to just kind of move forward with, a, with like starting a little side hustle. Um, I, I launched a beta release in like March or April. I can't remember exactly. 
and then officially launched towards the end of May. Um, and I've just been kind of going from there, continuing to improve and refine. I mean, the product is very different than what it was in the early days. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, just kind of that continuous iterative, you know, feedback based improvement, I guess, has been pretty foundational to, you know, on the, on the product development side. And that's kind of the cool thing about software, right? Is it's very quick and easy for me to make changes, make updates. Like that's, I mean, that's, that's my, that's my day job. So like, that's, that's right in kind of my wheelhouse. So that's kind of been the approach I've taken here too. So yeah, man, that's kind of the, that's kind of the story of how we got to here today. Awesome. All right. So let's say I buy, I'm going to do a few of these. Okay. And you just roll with this. Okay. Probably one of the first sites I, I consistently bought was Montana Black Gold. I think Elig was the owner back in the day. Since then, some sort of Bowtech conglomerate owns owns it now. And you get these book of site tapes. Uh, one of the first sites that I ever found to have like multiple pins plus a slider. And once that came out, I was like, oh, I need to like get a site tape. Before that, man, it was like I had 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 fixed pins. That is it. That's what I'm shooting at. Then you got this slider where you can make it so maybe your bottom pin, which will give you the most distance, is the one floater that you can, oh, that animal's standing at 72. I can slide down to 72. So Montana Black Gold comes out with that. Um, other, others as well, Copper John. I mean, I'm going to... I'm going to date myself, but like for a guy out West who is not a target archer, like I didn't ever like true ball sell. None of those fan, like none of that was on my radar. I was looking for like stuff to take hunting. So that was kind of like my first slider, first exposure to sight tapes. And I think even to this day, you buy a black gold, you get a booklet of tapes that stop at a hundred yards. Uh, spot hog to this day, usually they come with just packs of a, a hundred yards. Uh, and you're talking, Tommy Hogs, the Hog Father, the Fast Eddie, the blah blah blah, and then you can get their long range tapes. I think for that go out to 120, maybe I'll keep going. HHA, one of the better ones. They come out. They got long range sight tapes now, out to like 170. That's pretty cool. Um, my dude Dan Evans, he's got his little Canyon Pounder, um, which I have to mail back to him because I didn't use it this year. Uh, he. He's got a deal where it's like two sight tapes I can get. Like I remember, you know, you can use anyways, two different sight tapes for dis for even longer distances, which is really cool. Uh, UV slider has something similar. And so now companies are starting to figure out that, hey, man, a lot of us are going to Total Archery Challenge. A lot of us like shooting further than we ever would shoot at an animal just because it makes you better, in my opinion. And so I buy Archer's Advantage, which my first Archer's Advantage was maybe in the somewhere in the 2000s when I had a Sherlock site back in the day, okay? And before that, bro, I am old enough to remember putting an inclometer on my rangefinder, testing that out and printing a cut chart that I put on my wrist like a quarterback would with the plays to where I would range, look at the inclometer, look at my cut chart and know what distance to shoot at. So I am aging myself. Yep. And so all this has kind of been my evolution, but here's the truth. I've never ever been satisfied with my archer's advantage because it's never really changed. It's been really clunky. A lot of times I'll have to put in different information other than that, the, the accurate information to get several sites tapes and then I have to actually go and like I've never cut out one and been like put it on but like yep that's the one you know so then you come along and reach out to me many months ago 
And I am your honest friend. And I, I kind of just fluffed you off as just another guy, you know, has an idea. Like I probably was encouraging because I do encourage side hustle, but I didn't give it the detail that it needed. And then about a month ago, you and I went on a Zoom call and you showed me your software. And that's when I was like, how can I help you help all of us get into the precision cut archery and build badass sight tapes? Because, bro, I will be doing tack at Big Sky. I will be hunting elk at 9,000, 10,000 feet next year, Lord willing. And I need a sight tape that has got precision. And I wouldn't even mind having a sight tape for fill points and the same sight tape that's for broadheads, fixed broadheads at long distances as well. So like you're the dude, that was my big introduction segue. Would you please explain to the listeners how a sight tape works and talk about dragon velocity? Yes. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, I think if we explain kind of what a sight tape is at a, at a fundamental level, that'll, that'll kind of segue into what the limitations are with one site tapes that come with your site and site tapes from other, from the other kind of software programs. Um, so this is something I've thought about a lot. It's kind of some, it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to make it real simple and understandable, but I'll do my best. Um, okay. At a, at a fundamental level, the way I like to think about a site tape is a site tape is the, it's, it's, it's the trajectory curve of your arrow. So, so your unique arrow, its launch speed, it's, you know, how much it slows down due to drag and, and how much it, you know, accelerates towards the earth due to gravity, all of those things. It's that trajectory curve mapped to the geometry of your site. And that's, that's kind of the simplest way I think I can, I can say it. And let's, um, let's, 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 let's start with the site geometry piece. Cause maybe that's, that, that might be a little bit easier. Um, there's a couple key measurements that we need to understand how the trajectory curve of your arrow maps to your site um, onto a site tape. And the, the first one is site radius or, or, or what, what we call site radius. Um, and that's defined as the distance between your peep site and your pin. So that's, 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 that's just that distance. That's that's the first one. And the reason that's important is because we all kind of know, or that's kind of a common thing that's said is, oh, if you move your sight in closer to your bow, you can get more range before you run into your arrow. Well, and it just kind of compacts your your sight tape. And the reason for that is, is if we look at if we look at an angle like this, if 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 this is the sight radius, as we move out from that angle, that distance gets greater. So, you know, if, if this is 40 yards and this is a hundred yards at the bottom, the farther you move, the farther you move out, the greater that, that distance gets. So that's the first thing that we need to understand about the, the site setup on the bow is the site radius peep site to your pins or the thing you aim with. Um, the second key piece here is your site height. And that's the distance between your arrow and your peep site, that like that 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 vertical distance, um, and that's important because the perspective from your the perspective between your eye and the arrow changes with distance. At 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 long ranges, that difference in perspective is very small, but as you move closer, um, it starts to get more and more and more. And that's why usually for like compound shooters, once you get to like 13, 14 yards or so the proper mark to use starts to go back down the tape. 
So if you're shooting yeah. at two yards, you might need to use your, your 80 yard pin. And if you're shooting at, you know, five yards, you might need to use your 50 yard pin or, you know, something like that. That's, that's all dependent on your sight height. Um, and so in terms of sight geometry, those are kind of the two main ones. Um, you also have things like if your sight tape m- mounts to a, like a wheel, like on an HHA or a spot hog, there's a ratio between movement on the sight tape and movement in the sight housing. So we have to factor that in, um, for like the dialed site, that site moves closer to you as you dial. Oh yeah. I bet that was fun math. It was, it is really, really fun math. Um, but yeah, we have to factor that in too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. All of these factors kind of combine into what I'm just calling geometry of your site setup for your bow. And, and, and this is variable for every archer. Every archer has a different peep height. Every archer has a different site radius. Um, so all of that's pretty much entirely unique across archers. So once we have that, then we need the trajectory curve of the arrow. And so I, I, I guess first, I, all of the sight tape programs, I think do a good job of accounting for the, those kind of sight geometry pieces. The key differentiator for precision cut archery is how we handle the trajectory curve of your arrow portion of this, specifically the drag of the arrow, because that's, that's really the key. It's, it's very easy to account for gravity and the speed of the arrow and all of that. What's, what's hard is to determine how much that arrow is going to, is going to slow down over time due to aerodynamic drag. Um, and the way that, at least to my knowledge, the way I think every program I've looked at works is what they're doing is they're trying to take into account your the veins that you're using, the shaft that you're using, the length of the arrow, the point, all of these different components. And they're trying to, based on the components that you enter in the program, that's why like an archer's advantage, you have to put in all of your, you have to put in all your arrow specs, like everything. Um, And based on all of those arrow specs, they're kind of doing their best to estimate what the drag properties of that arrow might be. Um, The problem with that is, is one, that's extremely hard to do. And two, there's kind of an infinite number of combinations, especially when you factor in things like the offset and helical of the veins, you know, that, I mean, you know, that, that could vary just tiny bits across archers. Um, the point that you're using makes a huge difference. And, and, and it's not just the point, like, like everything impacts everything else as well. Like if, if you have a point that's creating a bunch of turbulence, that's going to change how your veins are impacting things. Like it's just, it's kind of an unsolvable problem to like accurately model everyone's arrow, the, the drag on everyone's arrow based on all those components. So we do that whole thing kind of completely differently. Um, And the way we do it is when you add your setup to precision cut archery and you add your bow, you add your arrow, and then you do what we call sight in. What you're doing during the sight in process is you're supplying us a couple data points from the trajectory curve of your arrow. So you're, you're, you're sighting in it, let's say 40 yards and hundred yards. You're entering the marks or the measurements between those marks on your sight in tape. And then from there, we can take that data and we can search for the exact drag properties that solve for that ballistic curve. And what that means is we're kind of implicitly accounting for like your complete arrow build implicitly within that model, which at, at, at the end of the day, what that means is that if, if there's accurate data coming in, um, we get accurate data coming out and a very precise 
like snapshot of the drag of that arrow as it flies through the air. And then from there, that's that's really the key. Um, and then we can do things like adjust for air density, adjust for, you know, wind cuts, I guess, like like actually actually accurate cut charts and cut values for angled shooting. And we can dive into that. That's a whole nother rabbit hole that there's a ton of that there's a ton of kind of misinformation and things about. But uh, yeah, that's 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 really the key. So in any case, when we look at all of these different variables that have to be taken into account to get an accurate site tape, for one, it's pretty clear why the site tapes that come with your site aren't accurate. And that's because there's no way that a site manufacturer can properly account for all those different things. What they're doing is they're just taking best guesses. And then usually they're just scaling that trajectory curve of the arrow based on something like launch speed. So they're taking a guess at what like a typical site height would be, what a typical site radius would be. And then they're just scaling the tapes up and down so that you get this, you know, this nice booklet of tapes there. The tapes start small and they get big and you just choose the best match. And usually they're fairly close depending on your setup. Um, but they will start to break down, especially as you get out to, you know, farther ranges. And yeah, so, so that, and then for the other software programs, it's really all about that drag modeling of the arrow. And again, that'll get you closer than what will come. Like Archer's Advantage will get you closer than the tapes that come with your site, almost certainly, unless your arrow just happens to be a good match for whatever the site manufacturer used. Um, but it's still not quite right. And this is kind of well known in the target archery community where right. they'll use Archer's Advantage, but then they'll have to like tweak things like site height and whatnot to kind of get the rest of the marks to fall into place, if that makes sense. So yeah, all the, all that to say, that's that's kind of what a, what a site tape looks like. Okay, well, I don't want to bore everyone to death because some of these people are going to be like, I don't care about all this detailed stuff. I just want to know how it works. So let's get into how it works real quick by showing them. And then you and I can geek out and talk about all the stuff. Do you want me to log in on my computer or do you want to just share your screen and log in and build me a tape? What do you want to do? Let me share my screen. We'll go desktop. All right. So do you, what do you see right now? Your web browser. Boom. We're logged in to precision and this is going to be on YouTube. So, all right, YouTube as well. We are going to, and those listening to the podcast, I will put this out soon on YouTube so people can see, but, um, let's do the lift. We can talk about the lift now. So why don't you walk me through? We'll use some of the numbers. I just want to build a site tape with you. You ready to coach me, homie? Yeah. Okay. So first things first, we got to add the bow. Um, so this is kind of a three-step process. We add the bow, then we add the arrow, then we sight in. So step one is add the bow. Should I do add bow guided or add bow? Uh, just I add bow you. is fine. The, okay. Yeah, the guided walks you through everything step by step. So yeah, this will be straightforward enough. Choose sight. Oh, I have a dark owl archery sight on a UV slider. So you just select UV slider then. The scope's kind okay. of irrelevant. Okay, fair enough. And then what if their site isn't listed? Just shoot us an email. Um, or hit the little feedback button on the what left or yeah left left side of the screen, um, yeah. and that that goes right to me, and I'll I'll get it added as quick as I can. But we have most sites in there. There there are some new ones coming out that we probably don't have in there yet. But yeah, we can usually turn that around real quick. Perfect. All right. So I need to take a measurement. I need to measure my peep height in inches at full draw. How do I measure when I'm at full draw? Draw board. Do I have to have draw board? Thank you. So if you have a draw board. That's how you're going to take that measurement. If you don't, you're going to have to get a friend 
explain in detail what exactly they're measuring here? Yep. So they're measuring the distance at full draw between the center of their peep sight and the center of their arrow, that vertical distance. So straight. That perpendicular, just straight down. Yep. Okay. Yep. What is my peep height that we say last time? Like a safe number? 3.75 or four, something like that's usually typical. All right. And then sight radius in inches. So that is going to be the distance from what? The peep all the way to the pin? The peep to the pin. Yep, exactly. Peep to the pin. Full draw. So usually and like it's it's usually pretty close to your draw length. So like for me, I have a 28 and a half inch draw and it's 29 and a half. So yours is probably 26, 27, something like that. We'll go 27 just to that. And then hit create bow. Yep. Boom. All right. Now we have the bow. Now we need to add the arrow. Okay, let's do, um, I'm building new arrows right now. So, and I don't know what they're gonna be. So let's go with my hunting arrow from the fall. I'll call it a RIP TKO. Uh, arrow eight, 425, create arrow. Now we just have to sight in. Density altitude. So I live at 2000 feet, pretty, pretty lame. I wish I lived higher. Yep, yep, me too, me too. Okay. And I'm out west, y'all. I just, it's not, I'm in the valley. I'm in the flats. It's just not, but I don't think I've ever killed an elk at 2,000 feet, man. Yeah. <laughs> that I can promise you. <laughs> and uh, just one note on density altitude. Um, that's, so if you have something like a Kestrel or like a ballistic weather meter of some sort, density altitude is something that it will provide. And what density altitude is, is it is the, it's the, how should I say this? If you click on the little help icon, that's probably a more uh, elegant description than what I can say just off the top of my head. But it factors in things like temperature, humidity, all of the things. Um, and then it it spits out kind of the like what the altitude would be given standard standard conditions. And that's that's something that's defined by like avionics type organizations. Um, so all that to say, um, if you have something like a Kestrel, that's great. Use that number. If you don't, um, just use your actual like elevation above sea level, um, like like you did here with 2,000 feet. So that's just a way for you know the more I don't know the people who are real into this where they can get a little bit more precise air density. Because really, really, what we're doing with that is we're turning that into into air density, if that makes sense. So what if someone like me has a Kestrel? Should I go outside and do it? and get a figure off that num off that little device. That's 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 better. Like ideally like like on the day that you shoot in these sighted marks. That would be the day to like take the reading. Pro tip. Pro tip. Okay. So when we're not doing this I, and I get my next set of arrows built, I'm going to use my Kestrel and I'm going to put that number in. So okay, so I will sight in at two ranges. I will sight in at three ranges. Obviously more data more better. Do you care if I do two or three? What do you, you are the creator of this. What do you prefer? Yeah. So if we're guessing values to use, uh, stick with the two range one, because it's much easier to get something that will actually work out, if that makes sense. So um, what, what the three range is, and you can select it for a second here. Um, what the three range cited method is for is if it's, it's mostly for either like professionals who can shoot better than what their chronograph, what, what their chronograph can give them as a reading because chronographs do have a fair bit of error and things, um, or for people who don't have a chronograph. Um, and what we're doing with that is we're, we're kind of calculating or we're searching for both drag and velocity that solve for your trajectory curve. Um, Makes sense. The, the problem with it is, is that it's very kind of sensitive. Um, and so if you're not 
really taking your time and shooting at far enough distances, it can be difficult to get something that will compute. So like anyone in a rush, anyone who's maybe more of a, you know, beginning archer sort of thing, um, anyone that has access to a good chronograph that they're confident gives, you know, accurate readings, um, the two range is probably recommended um, for sure. And we have, you know, professional archers that are using the two range method all the time and things. So it's, it's perfectly fine, especially if you have a good chronograph. Well, I ain't no pro. So we're going to go off this. Uh, I trust that chrono a little 300 feet a second is what I'm getting on that with 80 pounds, the arrow into your sight in ranges and yards. So range one would be typically like what's recommended would be 40 and a hundred or 40 and 120. There's a couple keys to consider here. One is you want the closest range to be far enough to where you can really see vertical deviation on target. Um, if you Absolutely. try to do this at like 20 yards, it can get very tough to get a, a precise mark because, you know, you could be a half yard or even a full yard off at 20 and not see that difference on the target. So yeah, we always kind of suggest over 30. Um, I prefer 35 or 40 myself. Um, and then second range, like I can shoot to a hundred in, in my yard here. So I usually do a hundred, but yeah, if you can shoot farther by all means, 120, 140, um, you know, whatever. So um, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of the summary on there. And and then I guess the other note on this is we also want these ranges to be as far apart as possible because there's there's kind of two sorts of error we're trying to minimize. We're trying to uh, minimize error in the marks themselves. So that's why we need the distances to be say at least thirty or at least forty. And we're also trying to minimize the error when we take the measurements between the marks with the caliper. So if those marks are really close together, it's much easier to get. Like if you're off by a couple thousandths of an inch, that's a lot more significant when you're talking about 40 and 60 yards versus when you're talking 40 and 100 yards. And all calipers are going to have some error and things as well. But so, yeah, 40 and 100, 40 and 120, that's 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 always a good bet. I love that we're using a caliper on this the way that you have to set up. I think this is genius. All right, I'm going to measure with the caliper. I will use calibration tape. No, I want to use the caliper. And if you guys don't have one, get one. Because you can use a caliper in so many applications on just bow tuning. Like, I I always use a caliper when I'm measuring the width of a string to see, like, how thick is that serving. Um, I'll measure the distance. Like, maybe I have a bow that's really beautifully set up to me, and I want to measure the distance of that D loop. And I want to really mimic that distance. There's a bunch more examples, but I think a caliper comes in really handy when, it, when we're talking archery. So get a caliper. It's cheap on Amazon, get a digital one. They're nice. Okay. So then I need to put in my distance in thousands right here. What's a good guess for 40 to hundred, 300 feet a second. This is just, yeah, probably like 1.2 would be a guess. Yeah. We'll, we'll see if yeah. it works. Yeah. 1.2 okay. inches, one point, like one point, or no, 1.12 is 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 pretty close to what mine is. Um, 1.28 okay, is what I actually used for my last setup. But yeah, that that should work. Yeah, for this purposes anyway. So yeah. Okay. So I... there you go. And that's. So now what do I do, buddy? Now you do whatever you want. Make sight tapes. Make cut charts. Make all of the things. Let's I guess this sight... is the point where. Let's make a sight tape then. Sure. Yep. Click on the sight tapes. We we select our select our lift, and we select our rip key. T TKO. And so here is where you can 
um, select the density altitude. And, and since we just cited in, um, like I would always suggest that the first site tape that somebody makes is for the elevation or the density altitude that they cited in for so that we can validate that everything worked correctly, that your printer Absolutely. set up properly, all of those sorts of things. So yeah, uh, I would just hit compute marks on that 10 to a hundred. Um, you can make that ending range farther if you want. I do want it to be 140. So there's our mark showed up on the side there. You can kind of scroll down on that. And it looks like we ran out of space, so we can fix that when we get down to the site tape settings. So now that okay. the now that the marks are 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 computed, now we can kind of customize the tape. Um, and this is, in my opinion, one of the the cooler features. Um, so if you expand down the site tape settings, there's where you can kind of customize literally everything. So in your case, since 140 is kind of cut off on the bottom, um, if you scroll down on the site tape, uh, on the site tape itself. Yeah, so you see how 140 is cut off a little bit. We can just make the tape a little longer so that the marks fit on it. Um, so the first thing to do would be to scroll up on the settings there and maybe make the length like 2.6 or so, maybe 2.7. Hey. So there, now we now it can fit all the marks. And now we can tweak with things like line thicknesses, line widths, font sizes. I personally like thin lines, but big numbers because I like to be able to see the ranges, like if it's low light sort of situation. Okay. So give me some of the numbers you like. I want to look at your kind of your best practices here. So how do you like the font size? 120? Yep. So I guess the first thing I would do is I'd scroll down here and I'd uncheck or I'd, I'd check the box that says remove third digit. And that removes what that does if you see what just happened. Ah, so cleaner. Ah, I like that. Yep. So yes. it just removes that 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 hundredth place so and and what yep. that does then is it lets us make the font bigger um yep. so yeah now i would crank up the font a little bit maybe um and the other thing that this kind of depends it might be a little bit of trial and error is that yep. depending on how big the indicators are you might want to make the like the lines themselves wider so that the indicator doesn't go like past the mark like i like it when the indicators like very cleanly like within the line of the mark. Absolutely. So what's the best way to manipulate? Is that line width? Line width. Yep. So if you take that and move that over, you'll see those expand out on the tape as you move it. Yep. Just like that. Kristen, this is badass, dude. This is Dan getting excited. I'm like, yeah, this is cool, man. I would, I, I definitely want the, the five yard increments to be differential as well. Yep. Something like that. Um, this is fine. Okay. Yep. Line colors. Oh, yeah. yeah, line color two, line weights. So we can crank like I like the tens to be a little bit thicker, just so I can see them real, real quick. Um, yeah, I mean you can play with this all day. It's 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 fun to get a sight tape that I guess is exactly what you want, and that's kind of what we've tried to do here. Um, colors too, of course. What do you like to do for colors? I like just black myself. Um, my printer doesn't do color well, so it ends mine up doesn't kinda, either. Yeah, I just leave them black. A lot of people love the colors. Um, yeah, I, okay. totally personal preference. One more thing that I think is pretty cool, especially for faster bows, like your, or, or if you're using a multi-pin slider where like your, like if you have a 40 pin and that's, that's your slider is we, we also added the ability to do two and a half yard increments to reduce clutter on the site tape. So if you scroll all the way back up to the compute, you know, to the marks section, um, change that to 2.5. And then we can switch to, okay, so that that did, yeah, that that did 2.5 yard increments all the way out to 100. And then it switched to 
and, and then it switched to one yard increments, you could make that 60 or whatever makes sense. Um, like if you don't care about one yard increments inside of 60, you could change the switch increments to one yard increments at, or switch to one yard increments at 60, for example. And okay. um, we've had people with like really fast bows prefer to just remove clutter for those closer ranges. Cause you really don't, for a hunting situation, you don't care about one yard inside of 40, for example, but yeah, just another thing. You can turn that off if you prefer to, I personally prefer to have all of the marks, especially cause I run a spot hog. So my tapes are, they're spaced out more anyway. It just sometimes yeah. like on a black gold or, or, or the UV slider like this, where it's just linear, I guess those marks can get really, really, really close together when you're inside of say 40 or whatever. So, so what if I wanted to just 20 through 40 clean as clean as can be, how would I do that? And then at 40, I want every mark. How would I do that? Or even 50. Yeah. So, so change the range increment back to 2.5. Okay. And then change that bottom box, put that at 40 or 50 or whatever you want. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Tristan, you're going to crush it, man. I'm telling you, this is awesome. Let's do, um, let's do a tack tape for big sky with this same sight tape. What would I do there? So you'd, you'd take an estimate of the density altitude at big sky. So if we just said, okay. I don't know, what is it? 9,000 feet or something? 10,000 feet. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you just put that in the very top box where it says right there, there guys. I would change that to maybe 8,000 feet-ish. This is just crude, but so you guys can see it's nuanced, but it's, I've already verified that my home sight tape is awesome. It's July, I'm getting my bags packed in and I'm like, hey, I wanna make a sight tape for Big Sky. Boop, beep, boop, print, got that one. And then I get there and I can inspect what I expect. And then if that worked, I'd probably be like, well, shit, I'm going to be hunting elk at 8,000 feet. I want to just keep this on for the rest of the summer, you know, or whatever, or I'll put this on right before September when I go out the door. Any other features you want to cover here? Um, as long as we're on elevation, let's check out the air density cuts thing there. Um, this is another way to go about something like attack or a hunt at a different elevation without having to do a whole new sight tape. So what this does is it, it takes the sight tape that you have. So if you have your sight tape set up for 2,000 feet for at home, and let's say you're going on a hunt at 8,000 feet. You would put in 8,000 feet there. You'd leave the second one is 2,000. And then you could go out to, let's just go out to like 140, for example, um, and hit compute cuts on that and then scroll down. And this shows you what you would need to shoot each of these distances for. So if you're at 8,000 feet, you'd need to shoot 80 for 78 yards. You'd need to shoot 100 for 97 yards if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. This is badass, man. Mm -hmm. So, so like for me, I didn't, I didn't have any real high, high elevation hunts this year. Like I was hunting a lot of the prairie. So it was like four or 5,000 feet. So I just kind of used this. I just knew like, okay, at 80, I need to cut a half yard off what my range, range finder says. And at a hundred, I need to cut a full yard, that sort of thing. And I just kind of remembered that. But so this is another way to go about it too, without having to like print an entirely new site tape. Um, this has been, this this feature has been pretty thoroughly tested now. Um, we've we had some folks, you know, like living at four thousand feet, going to Colorado for high country mule deer, testing stuff out to one forty for us and things, and the results have been really good. Even with just you know kind of a simplified um, altitude elevation type based approach here, um, so pretty happy with that. I know like James Yates used it for TAC Utah, and it it predicted. Um, like two yards of cut at 140 or something like that. And it was, you know, dead money. Um, 
So pretty, pretty powerful, I think, especially for folks that travel for shoots or hunts. Yeah, man. So James Yates is a buddy of mine. He's really sharp cookie. I'm pretty sure most people like him. I mean, I certainly love him. I think he's brilliant. Who else you got testing this thing? Yeah. So, well, so sight tapes has been a ton of people. I mean, that's the main reason why everyone gets it, right? So, I mean, a lot of lot of people, people I can mention, um, I've worked a lot with Tim Gillingham on things. He was he was one of the initial inspirations for this thing in general. Like he's been one that's been very vocal about the limitations of the current solutions. Um, he's the one that always talks about angled shooting cuts and, you know, how he would spend, you know, tons of time shooting in shooting in cuts, like literally going out into the hills and shooting at as many different angles and as many different distances as he could to try to build his own cut chart because none of the none of the ones that the software would spit out were were um, accurate. So when I had this thing, I was like, hey, Tim, I think we got the this cuts thing solved. He was extremely generous with his time of like one, um, he has years of historical data, of historical cut data from all sorts of past setups. So that was extremely valuable as well as like spending a lot of time this year with his current setups, like at the ski resorts, shooting in cuts just for the sake of testing. So that's been awesome. But wait a second, Tristan, why I have a rangefinder that does all the cuts for me. So why would I need to do that softball toss to you, buddy? Yeah. Let's uh, let's dive down this rabbit hole. We'll do our best. That's for sure. One of the most common, I don't know, questions or points of confusion. Um, because yeah, like range finders are ang angle compensating, right? Like the range finder compensates right. for the angle. Why do I need to have a cut chart? Like this seems stupid. So I guess let's start with what a range finder is actually doing. Um, what a range finder that has angle compensation mode, what it's doing is it's giving you like the reading that it spits out is it spitting out the horizontal distance to the target. So you're in an angle. You know, it's, it's angled down the range finder is giving you, it's giving you this distance and that's called the rifleman's rule is what they call that. It's like for an angled shot, what you should shoot it for is the horizontal distance. That's that, that thing right there is called the rifleman's rule. And the reason that that works or the reason why that's close is because that's kind of the effective, that's, that's kind of the effective distance that gravity is acting on the arrow if that makes sense. So um, in the absence of air, like if we were shooting in space with just gravity where we, oh, well, in space, there wouldn't be gravity either. But if there wasn't any air, that would be a perfect rule. It would work. It'd be exactly right. The problem is, and and I guess that's the most significant factor for angle shooting. If we can account for that difference in gravity, that's that gets you kind of, let's just say 90% of the way there. Now you're ballpark, but let's be honest, we're trying to kill stuff. And we don't ballpark ain't going to cut it. We want precision, right? Like we want the best information and we want to be able to dial to that. And the air is going to be a huge component. And why we're talking about air, which is why there is different outlets, why I shoot so hot when I go to Big Sky. That's why like I shoot at 100 yards and I am hot at 100 yards, whereas I'm shooting at 100 yards in my backyard. It's dead nuts. There's a it's. Josh said, Josh Jones said in the video, and I think people made fun of him and, uh, he just said it wrong, but he was like, yeah, there's less gravity up here at big sky. So you're going to shoot. And it's like, no, obviously Josh knows that gravity is a constant explain. Let's get into the air because it does matter. Yeah. So from, from the perspective of angled shooting specifically, 
um, it's not so much like it's it's not the change in air density. Like we're we're not talking about changed air density anymore. We're we're talking about like if you have a sight tape for for two thousand feet, you're shooting a steep angle at two thousand feet. Um, the thing that happens is the way that drag acts on the arrow over the trajectory curve changes depending on if you're shooting uphill or downhill. Because when you're shooting downhill, the like gravity is kind of helping maintain the arrow's velocity. So what the air resistance is doing to that arrow is, 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 is changing. Um, and so like, that's why when you shoot downhill at a steep angle and you just use your range finders reading, you're going to hit high and how much high it depends. Like for, for normal people at, you know, kind of normal distances, like let's say inside of 60, inside of 80 moderate angles, you're not going to notice like your, your, your range finder is going to be close enough, especially for a hunting situation. But when you're talking about target archers, or if you're talking about, um, you know, very far, very steep, like 80 at 40 degrees, for example, you're probably going to be like two yards high at 80. So like you would have to cut two yards off of what your rangefinder tells you at 80 to hit that target. And I'm sure like, you know, people listening, if they've shot tack at some of those, and usually the angles aren't crazy at tack, like it's it, like 40 degrees is very steep. Like, I don't know if like that's, I mean, it feels like you're shooting straight down. But in any case, when when you're shooting downhill, you always have to subtract from what the rangefinder tells you. And if you're shooting uphill, you have to add to what the rangefinder tells you, if that makes sense. And it's it's I'm trying to figure out how to better explain. It's like you have the effect of gravity, and then you also have the effect of drag on the arrow over its new trajectory curve. And like that, that path that the arrow is taking to the target is farther than what it would be on kind of level ground for that same distance. Like if you're shooting 80 at, you know, 40 degrees down the horizontal distance, I can't do math in my head, but I think it's like 67 yards or something or 60 some yards that you'd have to shoot that for. Um, that, that flight path of the arrow is much longer than what it would be for a 60 some yard shot because the, you know, the line of sight distance is 80. So the arrow is actually traveling, you know, the arrow is actually traveling probably like, you know, whatever, 90 yards or something like that. So there's, there's kind of a, there's kind of a, like a, a dance there between the effects of gravity, the effects of air resistance over the trajectory path of the arrow. And then there's, there's one more factor that comes into play with why your rangefinder isn't right. And that's the, that's the sight height portion. Um, when, when you have, let's just say a 67 yard mark on your sight tape, because that's what we're using for 80 degrees or 80 yards at 40 degrees. When you have a mark at 67 yards on your sight tape, that's taking into account the difference in perspective between your eye and your arrow that we've already talked about due to sight height. When you're shooting at 80 yards line of sight, your perspective difference is relative to that line of sight distance. So we have to factor that in too. So which at those distances, that's not significant, but if we bring if we bring the the distance in really close, like if we're talking 20 yards line of sight at 40 degrees or something like that, then that becomes very significant. So just to recap and try to, you know, wrap a bow around this, we have, uh, we have the effect of gravity range finders do a great job of accounting for that. Just by taking the horizontal distance, we have the effect of drag on the arrow over that kind of new trajectory path that the arrow has to take to the target. 
rangefinders can't account for that. There, there are two rangefinders on the market that try and they do a decent job. One is the Leopold Full Draw 4 and 5. And the new SIG Kilo rangefinders also have an archery mode where you put in your arrow speed and it tries to do some sort of approximation, but it's not right. Neither of those are right. They're close and they're close enough for most hunting situations probably, but they're not right. So if you're talking very extreme angles, um, you know, like, like, like for attack or, or a follow-up, you know, some crazy follow-up shot on an animal or something like that, like that's when this would really come into play. Um, and then, yeah, just the third one then is the difference in perspective at those different distances. And so I, I really firmly believe now, especially after working with, you know, Tim all this time on cuts and, you know, other folks and testing ourselves, um, we have some pretty big Hills and we're not in the mountains, but it gets pretty cliffy. So we've, we found some pretty steep Hills as well. Um, I, I really believe that this is, this is the only way outside of going and shooting in cuts yourself, which is a ton of work, hiking up and down hills, carrying targets up and down and trying to find enough different angles to like build your own cut chart. This is the only way to properly account for, for angles. So yeah, I don't know if any of that made sense, but, uh, it's very user-friendly Tristan, which is like the most important part, like knuckle draggers, like Dan Staten need to be able to go in do this and then I'll do the I'll do the inspection myself, right? There's nothing I would love more and then to print out a couple sight tapes, go test them on some angles and and just verify a couple specific distances because I can't I've done total archery challenge since 2010 when it wasn't even total archery challenge. It was bowcast at the bird at uh Snowbird and you know, I've hunted long enough to know that man, it is frustrating to shoot a really steep angle and to not be 1000% confident that you know the cut. It is not. And uphills and downhills are not the same. They're actually two different things. And I'd love for everyone to be able to test that and not necessarily trust your rangefinder. Like I think we all trust our rangefinders too much. Uh, and what we're telling you today is that there is here is a solution. So I think you did a good job, man. I think it's without getting too in the weeds, but still getting in the weeds a little bit so people understand that you've done your due diligence. That's awesome. Do you want to talk about the way you've structured the business so that people can understand how to get access to it? Is it live yet? Is it a annual fee? Is it a monthly fee? I want to see this thing succeed. So tell us about the business model. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, I guess first real quick on the cuts piece, not to not to dive down too deep, but um, one thing that we do have um, is, is we have these kind of mini cut charts. So what I do is this is just a, a SIG range finder with normal angle compensation. And what this cut chart shows is the adjustment from the, this is scaled by horizontal distance. So this is scaled by the distance that my angle compensating rangefinder gives me. So if my rangefinder is telling me the distance is 70 yards and it's 20, you know, 30 degrees uphill, let's say, I need to add 2.6 yards to what my rangefinder is telling me, which 70 yards, that's a lot. I mean, that's, that's miss. Oh yeah, that's, that is. That's, that's a miss. That is significant. Yep. So, 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 so 70 yards, 30 degrees up, I need to add 2.6. If it's 70 yards, 30 degrees down, I need to subtract one, which is still a miss, probably, or close. It's, it's probably not, three inches, something. It's not the 10 ring, which if you're like competing against your buddies for bragging rights, I need every advantage I can get. I need to make a good shot, but it'd be nice to know the what my arrow is going to do anyway. So, dude, I... 
am so excited for Total Archery Challenge. Like, I, I, that's where I'm going to test this. That's where I'm going to inspect this. I'm going to build a sight tape. I'm going to put it on my bow. And I'm still going to have a cut chart. I'm still going to have a cut chart on my rangefinder. That's applicable to the same everything you just talked about. Because it's a nuanced thing, uphill and downhills. That's why Tim Gillingham has exhausted himself doing such research, tinkering, for trying to figure this out. Because it's it's money. It's money in his pocket because he shoots at a high, high, high level. So, um, all right, let's talk about what's how much does it cost to get this? Is it all web-based? Is it an app? Explain your thought process. Yeah, so today it's just a website. Um, it's, it's $20 a year for the subscription. It's all subscription-based. We, by far, the most requested thing has been to have an app. And there will be an app. There absolutely will be an app. Um, so far, it's just been like one, a resource thing. Um, and two, and probably the bigger reason is when it's just a website like this, I can iterate very quickly. Like I can put out new features. I can make changes. I can add things, remove things, whatever. I can make, I can iterate extremely quickly with just this web-based platform. So the idea in my head was, okay, let's let's start with this. We can kind of get the feature set worked out, you know, the math things, you know, the actual like calculations worked out, which, you know, we're there now. And then we can worry about making an app once all of that's, all of that's kind of worked out. So yes, there, there will be a mobile app. Um, at like at some, like I would love to see a rangefinder integration or things like that down the road too. Like, like that's, that's where my head is at. Like that would be if that could be built into the rangefinder, where the rangefinder knows the, I mean, just like the rifle stuff works, right? Where like the rangefinder gives you your your hold, right? Um, same thing, but for for a bow. Um, that's that's like my kind of like you know whatever. That's 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 where I see this thing going over time. Um, it just you know takes a little while to get there. So, yeah, that's kind of the that's kind of the summary. It's a website, twenty dollars a year subscription. Um, we have a free fourteen day you know trial, so anyone can get in there and try it out um, for free. And then, yeah, I don't know if that, did I miss anything? I am not a business guy, but I think that 14 day trial is needs to go away for 20 bucks. Pay up sucker. Um, then you have the whole year to build several site tapes, save your information, especially when you're arrow, make arrow changes, or maybe you throw on different mods or whatever you do for someone like me, I need year round access. And I'm excited, Tristan, because I'm in the middle of an arrow build and I'm waiting for a certain specific components to get here. And I think they might be here today. So the whole arrow is built. I'm just waiting for the front end. Once that's done, it'll. I don't know what it's going to weigh. I'm going to find out. And uh, when I get my total weight, I'm going to literally screen record me doing all this. I'm going to walk outside. I'm going to film me inspecting your sight tape. And then I'm going to put it on YouTube and I'm going to include this interview in that YouTube video. So it's a resource for people to try it out, learn it. And I'm not doing it because I owe you anything or you're sponsoring me. I'm doing it because I love archery and I want people to not pull out their hair and have badass sight tapes. And I just don't think it's cool to go off of a sight tape that is included in the site you bought because obviously those have... I wouldn't say they're flawed. I'm just saying they have limitations. That's fair. You're opening a door up for a more enjoyable archery experience, which is something we all can get behind. I really appreciate that. Awesome. Well, that's all I wanted to do today. I wanted to get Tristan on. I wanted to show off his new little thing. And this is a guy who's used other resources. Like I even have three or four apps on my phone that I've paid for. And um, I'm switching to his because 
I think it it, it kind of solves a lot of the stuff that I've been running against. So uh, go check it out, guys. Don't sign up for 14 days free. Pay the man. He's got a real job. This is just a side hustle. And I side hustles are like my love language, man. I love seeing guys get in there. I hope you get to the point where you're doing this full time, adding features, working with other companies, working with rangefinder manufacturers, working with site. Ma I mean, the sky's the limit. You're passionate about archery. Chase your passion. If you guys have your own side hustle and it's starting to grow, hit me up. We'll get you on. This is a platform to help others, to lift others up. Rising tides, man. So Tristan, finish with all the places to find you on social and website. Like plug the information so people can get to going. Sure. Yeah. So um, Precision Cut Archery, you can search on Google. We'll pop up first result. PrecisionCutArchery.com if you want to go directly to the website. Uh, all, all one word there. Um, Precision Cut Archery on Instagram, Precision Cut Archery on Facebook, you know, Precision Cut Archery across the board. So yeah, that's, that's, that's all the ways I think. Yeah, I guess I just want to say, Dan, I, I really appreciate you having me on. This has been, this has been fun. And yeah, just, just trying to uh, bring a viable archery ballistic solution to the, uh, to the space. I think it's, I think it's time. So that's what we're after. I'm excited for you, man. And I'm really proud of how much work you put into this. And I love your passion for archery guys. Separation is in the preparation. Go check out this dude's website. Go tinker around. We'll catch you on the next one. Today's podcast is brought to you by Matthews Incorporated out of Sparta, Wisconsin. I love shooting the Matthews. I love the engineering, the technology, the people behind the brand. It's like the bows are amazing. And I would encourage you to go to a local dealer and try one out for yourself.